After you place your marker there, take your Bibles out and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that will be our first reading this morning. As Brother Greg said, we have a good number with us. Most of our normal number are here. I know Chris and Benjamin texted and said they wouldn't be here this morning, and I think Jacob and Allie are running a little bit late. But we do have visitors with us, and we're very grateful that you're here and invite you back any chance you can to, to come and worship with us. This morning, we're going to be continuing a series that we started last week, looking at the idea of understanding words in the Bible. Now, this lesson is not meant to insult your intelligence. Once again, we are not sitting here trying to say that we're going to define every word that's in the Bible. But as we go through the Bible, oftentimes there are words that we read, especially if we use versions like the New King James, or uh, we're not even going to talk about something like the King James Version. But there are words that we come across that we don't use in our everyday speech that maybe we need a reminder to help us understand what the Bible is talking about. To truly understand what the verse is saying, there are certain words that we need to make sure that we understand what the definition is so that we can make the right application for the verse. This morning, the idea, and I appreciate Brother Greg leading that song, is sanctification. Sanctification. When's the last time you use this in an everyday uh, conversation, either at home or work or school? Obviously, when we're talking about the Bible, we use it quite a bit. We just sing about being a sanctuary for God. But do we truly understand what the word sanctification really means? Very briefly, as a way of review, remember last week in our lesson, we looked at the word propitiation. And we define propitiation as the act of gaining the favor of or making things right with someone, especially after having done something wrong. In our lesson last week, we saw how every time we see the word propitiation used in the Bible, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus is our propitiation. And we said he's our propitiation because we receive that through his blood. He offers propitiation for us because he serves as that perfect high priest for us. We have propitiation because of God's love. We can be put back into that relationship with him because he loves us so much. And then finally, last week, we said that everybody can have access to this propitiation. We understand that not everybody will take advantage of it, but everybody can have access to the relationship that Jesus offers us. We can become right with God because of his blood, because of what he did for us, the sacrifice that he made. So Jesus is our propitiation. Well, getting into our lesson this morning, let's think about sanctification. And once again, let's define what the word means. When you go to the dictionary, sanctification is defined as to set apart, to free from sin. The action of making or declaring something holy. That is how the dictionary would define the word sanctification. It's interesting as you go through the Bible, especially the New Testament, the word sanctification is used five times in the New King James Version. In the, New Amer or the English Standard, it's used six times. And then in the New American Standard, it's used eight times. Little spoiler in the NIV, it's not used at all. 
Because what we see is that, and if you're sitting there thinking, well, that's not a lot of uses of this word, you're right. We're only looking at the word sanctification. If you were to go through and look at all the different derivatives of the word, meaning words like sanctuary, sanctified, those kind of words, it's a lot more. But we're specifically talking about the word sanctification this morning. What we see is that the Greek word that's translated sanctification is actually used ten times in the Bible, in the New Testament. Ten times the word is used. And so when you go and you think, well, why did we say it was five times in the New King James, six in the English Standard, eight in the New American Standard? Uh, why the discrepancy? Why the difference? And what we see is that oftentimes the word used, the word that's translated as sanctification, it's actually translated holiness in a lot of places. In fact, that's what the NIV uses is holiness. Remember last week I talked about how when you start a word study, you'll define a word, but then in the definition you have to think, well, what does this word mean? Holiness is not one of those words that we're going to be looking at in this series of lessons, but I think it's important to understand what holiness is. Once again, to be holy just simply means to be set apart. Something that's dedicated for a specific purpose. So holiness and sanctification, uh, they're very similar. They go hand in hand. It's the idea of being set apart, dedicated for a specific person. But sanctification also carries with it the idea of being free from sin. That's the word that we're looking at this morning. So as we think about sanctification, there are four things about sanctification that I want to think about. Four facts that we find in the Bible. So let's just jump right into them. Tying last week's lesson with this week, and we're going to do that through this entire series, because all the words that we're going to be looking at, they're all very related. They're all very similar. And so the first point that I like us to think about is that we can be sanctified, we can have sanctification because Jesus is our propitiation. When we tie these ideas together, we cannot be sanctified if Jesus was not the propitiation for our sins. They're, they go hand in hand together. Here in Ephesians chapter 2, remember last week we read the first 10 verses. Where Paul talks about you who are dead in trespasses, he made alive again. How through grace we are saved, not of works. Through that grace that God offers us the opportunity to be saved. We're not going to reread those verses. I actually want to pick up in verse 11 this morning. And Paul paints the picture of someone without Christ. If you do not have Christ, if you do not have that propitiation that he offers... Notice the state that you're in, starting in verse 11. He says, Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time, what's the time he's talking about? Well, the time when you were still dead in your trespasses up in verse 1. He says, at that time, now notice the fourfold picture he says. He says, you were without Christ. When you were dead in trespasses, you did not have propitiation for your sins. You were without Christ. He says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. 
and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That is the state you find yourself without Christ, without the propitiation for your sins, without the sacrifice that he offers. He says, you have no hope. You're a stranger. You're estranged. You're, set up, you're, you're disconnected from God. You are not sanctified. We can only receive sanctification through Jesus. We cannot sanctify ourselves. This is not something that we can take upon ourselves and say, well, I'm going to sanctify myself, whether it be by good works, whether it be by, by living according to God's law, we cannot self-sanctify ourselves. You can't do it. There is no amount of good works, there is no amount of pious living that we can do that will sanctify ourselves before God. Remember the definition, to free from sin? We can't do that. We cannot free ourselves from sin. Over in Luke chapter 17, Jesus tells us exactly what our relationship with him is. Understand he loves us. Understand that it's like a father and son. But here in chapter 17, Jesus is laying out a clear distinction between the faith, the love, the salvation that God offers, and what our responsibilities are, what our, how God looks at what we bring to him. Here in chapter 17, Jesus is talking about the idea, if you're serving a master, even if you've worked all day in the field, the master's not going to call you in and say, you eat before I do. You know, you've done so much, you know, you deserve something before I get it. That's not what the master does. Jesus tells him, look, the master, even if you worked all day in the field, you're going to come inside. The master's going to tell you, go cook me supper. Then after I eat, then you can eat. See the master-servant relationship. God is our master. Jesus is our master. And in verse 10, notice what Jesus says. So likewise, you, disciples of his, servants of his, he says, so likewise, you, when you have done all those things, which you are commanded Say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. What is Jesus telling us here? Even if we do everything in the law, even if we keep and we try our best, our best is still not good enough. By ourselves, no amount of works, no amount of good deeds are going to sanctify us before God. We need help. We remember Romans 3 verse 23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We have all done things contrary to God's law. And because of that, Romans 6 and verse 23, Paul tells us the wages of sin is death. What are wages? That which we earn, that which we deserve. So put all this together. 
We can be sanctified because Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. We cannot do that for ourselves because we have sinned. Therefore, God had to step in and do something for us in order for us to be sanctified before him. We need God's help. Jesus is the only way for us to have sanctification. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. A little bit later on in our lesson, we'll go back and we'll read verses 9 and 10. But I want to focus on verse 11 here. In verse 11, Paul says, And such were some of you. Paul lists out all of these sins, all of these things contrary to God's law. And he says, This is how you acted before something. Well, what happened? He says, You were washed you were, here's our word, sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When we think sanctification, when we think about being free from sin, being set apart, dedicated to something, understand first and foremost, Jesus had to do that for us. We cannot sanctify ourselves we can be sanctified because jesus is the propitiation for our sins let me give you a second point i'm afraid that oftentimes when people look at the bible when they look about living the life of a christian uh, they want to think of it as like a buffet right i'll do this part but i don't want to do that part okay i might do this a little bit but i'm going to ignore this part of it it's like Burger King, right? Have it your way. That's the way people want religion. I'll, I'll be religious as long as it's what I want to do. That's not the type of religion that we find in the Bible. Understand our second point. Sanctification is not optional. If we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to be in the right relationship with Him, then we must be sanctified. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul makes this exact point. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. And he goes on and lists some ways that we can be sanctified before God. But notice once again what he says. This is the will of God. God's will is that we be sanctified. It's not optional. It's not, oh, well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to live that sanctified life. I'm not really going to change. I'm really not going to do these things. If we want to be pleasing to God, we have to be sanctified. Because remember, the definition is being set apart. It's being dedicated, dedicated for a purpose. What is the purpose of a Christian life? Well, you know, we can list out several things, right? But ultimately, I think that if you were to give a, you know, what do we like to say, the 30,000 view level of what a Christian is, a Christian is to bear fruit for God. That's a very simplistic definition. I, I, I get that. But I think it's one that bears out in the scriptures. 
Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. You'll remember here in the context in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So get this picture of a vine, something very easy for us to understand. Even if we kill any green thing that we touch, we understand a vine. We get this illustration. Jesus says, I am the true vine. We'll talk down to verse 3. He says, you, this is him speaking to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Can I suggest to you this morning that maybe another word that we could use there instead of clean, we are already sanctified through his words. We are set apart. We are dedicated for a purpose. Do you see the point here? Jesus says, you are clean through the words which I speak. Well, now let's jump up to verse 2 again. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now let's put all this together. If being sanctified means being set apart for a specific purpose, Jesus tells us our purpose is to bear fruit. If we as Christians are not bearing fruit, if we are not fulfilling our responsibilities to God, what does Jesus say God is going to do? Well, he is going to take this away. We are no longer useful for the bread or for the vine. We are no longer serving our purpose, no longer being dedicated to what God wants us to do. God says, you're as useless as a dead branch on a vine. You're as useless as the only thing that you're good for is kindling. That's what God tells us. Sanctification is not optional. If we want to be pleasing, if we want to fulfill our responsibilities as a Christian... We must be sanctified. Because Jesus makes it very clear in verse 6. He says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So going back to our first point, without Jesus, we cannot be sanctified. Jesus tells us here in John 15 and verse 6, If you exist or try to exist outside of the true vine, you're going to die. You can't live. It's guaranteed that you will not be useful, set apart, dedicated to the purpose that God wants us to do. If we want to be pleasing to God, we must be sanctified. So we can have sanctification because Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. We must be sanctified because if we want to please God, we must be sanctified. Let me give you a third point. Go to John chapter 17. Okay, we understand that sanctification is, is important. How are we sanctified? Here in John 17 verse 17 we find out. Oftentimes when we look at this verse, we focus on the fact that the words of God are true. 
And that's a perfectly great application for this verse. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But in chapter 17, starting in verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them. Once again, set them apart. Make them holy. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. How do we know how to be sanctified? How do we know what sanctification is? It's through the truth found in God's words. Over in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5. Remember in 1 Thessalonians we saw how it is the will of God. Our sanctification. Well if that's God's will. Notice what Paul says in Ephesians 5 about God's will. Starting in verse 15, he says, See that ye then walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If we want to be sanctified, if we understand that God's will is for us to be sanctified, then we need to make sure that we're putting forth the effort to understand what God wants us to do. Do you get that point here? It's God's will that we be sanctified. Paul says you work to understand what the will of God is. You work to understand how to be sanctified. Sanctification comes through the words of God. That's how we know how to be sanctified. We looked at this passage before, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. Paul says, how do you know? Do we just guess? Just as we cannot self-sanctify ourselves, we also can't set forth the how to be sanctified. We don't just come up with, well, I think I can be sanctified if I do this. Well, I think I receive sanctification by, by doing this. And there's a lot of this, right? <laughs> Whether it be, oh, uh, it's a sinner's prayer, right? Oh, it's, it's just, you know, being a good person. All of these ways that people think, I'm going to be sanctified if I do this. God doesn't leave guesswork for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul talks about, No one knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man. And so too with God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. The spirit is that which reveals to us his words. And in his words, we find out how to be sanctified. We've looked at this passage so much and we'll look at this passage again just in our, in our second service. The second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. How do we know what God's will is? We read the Bible. How do we know how to be sanctified? We read the Bible. Psalm one nineteen, verse one oh five. If you don't recognize it, I guarantee if I start it, you can finish it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We know that verse. But the question I want to ask you is, are we living that verse? Maybe there's an idea for a sermon, right? The difference between reading and living. You can read it 
Absolutely, we can read what that verse says. Are we living it? Do we really use God's word as the lamp, the light that guides us? We can be sanctified because Jesus is our propitiation. Propitiation is not optional, or uh, sanctification is not optional. It's the will of God. God's word is that which reveals to us how to be sanctified. And let me give you one more point. Remember I said we get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want to read verses 9 and 10 now. Remember, Paul is writing to a church that was founded in a Gentile city, a port city. And, first, and the church at Corinth, when you read First and Second Corinthians, it was a church that, that seemed like it had a lot of problems, right? You know, there, there were some, some difficult people that went to this church. Here in chapter 6, notice starting in verse 9. Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, we recognize that these things will keep us from God's kingdom, right? We understand that, yes, you cannot have sanctification and be an adulterer, be a homosexual, be a covetous person. You're not sanctified when you do these things. But let's read verse 11 again. And such were, I think that's a key verse right there, our key word, were. What tense is were? It's past tense. That's the way you used to be. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Our fourth and final point this morning, when we think about sanctification, sanctification is something where we conform our lives to God. It requires change. Sanctification is one of those words where, okay, yeah, I get it. Jesus is how we're sanctified. Absolutely, he is. But if we are going to be sanctified, it requires change. It requires being different. And I think this is where a lot of people fall short. In our day and age, people like the feel-good religion. It's all about my feelings. I want to feel good. I, I, I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel like I've got to do something <laughs> tough. That's what Christ, real Christianity is all about. Change. Paul says, some of you were adulterers. Some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were covetous. If you're going to be sanctified, you have to change. You have to. But that's hard. That can be hard. We know Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we're going to be sanctified, we have to transform ourselves. We don't conform ourselves to the world. We don't act like the world. We don't dress like the world. We don't talk like the world. We are to be different. Sanctification requires change. You remember what Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 4? Peter talks about the life that we used to live, just like Paul does here in 1 Corinthians. But in 1 Peter 4 and verse 4, Peter talks about in the previous verses, he says in verse 3, or, um, that's James, that's why it's not making sense. 1 Peter 4, in verse 3, he says, we spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. He says, we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. That's the life that we used to live. And people saw that. And they said, yes, that is the life that they live. But when we come to Christ, when he offers that propitiation for our sins, when we become sanctified for God, notice what happens in verse 4. He says, in regard to these. Well, what's the these? The life you used to live. The things you used to do. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. You know what Peter is saying right here? When we become sanctified, other people see it. They notice it. Now once again, we're not talking about self-righteousness here. We're not talking about walking around with a big old sign over our head and say, look at me, I'm sanctified now. We're not talking about that kind of sanctification. Remember the self-sanctification? That's not what we're talking about. But if we are truly living a life for Christ, a life for God, then people are going to notice. And if they don't notice, then maybe we have a problem. No, we do have a problem. Sanctification requires change. Sanctification requires conforming to God. I love Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've told you before that if, you, if someone asked me, just give me one sentence about what it means to be a Christian. Yes, I know, I talked about John 15 earlier. Galatians 2 verse 20 is the verse I always go to. TJ, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, you say you're a Christian, what does that really mean? I think Paul lays it out so well here. Now, in the context of what we've been studying this morning, sanctification, being sanctified, I want us to tie that back in and think about how this relates to what Paul writes here in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember what sanctified means? Being set apart, dedicated, for a specific purpose, holy. Isn't that what Paul says right here? He says, I've been crucified. What is crucifixion? It's a death sentence. You have put to death 
that old man, Romans chapter 6, right? I've changed. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. The life that I do live here on this earth, it's dedicated, <laughs> yes, it's dedicated to Christ. I live in faith. I have changed. And brethren, if there's anybody that we can read about in the Bible who talked the talk and walked the walk, is it not Paul? I mean, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Benjamin. He rose above his peers, studied at the feet of Gamaliel. But when he became a Christian, he didn't one foot in Judaism and one foot in Christ, right? He was all in. Paul was sanctified. Are we living a life for ourselves? Or are we living a life for Christ? Take out your song books and turn to number the brother Greg selected. Once again, how can we be sanctified? It's because Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. It's God's will that we be sanctified. His word helps us understand how we accomplish that. That's how we know how we can be sanctified. And once again, are we living our lives for Christ? Or are we living our lives for, uh, for ourselves? Who's our master? Remember what Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, although he will love the one and hate the other, be loyal to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Which master do we serve? Are we living a life that is sanctified, set apart, free from sin, dedicated for a purpose? Are we living a life so that we can be fit for the kingdom of God. Are we sanctified? I hope the lesson has been beneficial. I hope as we sang that song, Sanctuary, now we can think back and say, I really understand what I'm singing. I need to be something special for God. I need to be sanctified this morning we haven't talked about the steps of salvation but understand Jesus is the propitiation for our sins Jesus offered the sacrifice for us so that we could come into the contact with his blood put to death the old man and the way that we do that is through being buried with him in the waters of baptism this, this morning if you're here and you've never been buried in the waters of baptism, you are not sanctified. Baptism is essential to salvation. But for those of us that are Christians, I want to ask once again, one more question. Are we living a sanctified life? Remember, if we're not bearing fruit... If we're not serving our master, what's he going to do with us? 
What do we want to hear? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. If we want to hear that, then we must be sanctified. Because if we're not, then we're going to hear, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. Which one are we heading towards? This morning we offer an invitation. An invitation that if there are things in your life that are separating you from God, make your life right. Whether it be going home or, or saying a prayer right this minute asking God for forgiveness for something, or if you want the prayers of the saints here, we'll be happy to help in any way. If there are things that you need help with, if there are things that you're struggling with, we're here to help. We're here to help. So this morning, if there's anyone subject to the invitation, will you let us know as we stand and as we sing this song? Would you be free from your burden of sin?